Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. thankful. One of the things the Lord taught me um, being in the tent for five years when we were rained on, hailed and, and flooded at one, a meter of water went through the, the, um, the tent at one stage seven years ago uh, and, and then the church was literally, or the tent was literally blown down. Uh, it was blown down and it was torn and, and uh, but one thing after we got through all those uh, times of pioneering God gave me this value of shelter, and a lot of people wouldn't really understand it because you always are in sound structures called shelter, but when you're maybe in a third world country, you might understand that shelter is a precious thing, and so our homes and, uh, and this church building, uh, I always thank God for just the basic necessities of life. So if you're struggling to, to thank God for something... Why don't you thank him for the fresh water that comes out of your tap, uh, maybe the warm bed you lie in, maybe the warmth of your house, but maybe the shelter that it is, just basic things like that. I think we get spoiled and uh, we fail to realize these basic uh, necessities that we have and how God has given us these things. Amen? And some of us have got some fine houses and uh, some of us have got some fine food. And, um, and it's always good to uh, thank the Lord. Just, just, I think that was, for 2.13, that was one of my breakthrough disciplines, was to every day thank the Lord. Just to thank Him first. Before I asked or before I said anything, just to thank Him. Amen? Just to say, thank you, God. I'm alive again. Thank you, God, for a warm shower. Thank you, God, for my wife. Thank you, God, for my kids. And you just can continue to go on, you know, for hours if you, if you choose. But it's good to do that. It just, it just makes a way towards God. It, it really makes a way towards Him for all the right reasons, that we are thankful for our salvation. I really want this morning, and uh, I don't have much to say this morning, but this, that I know we're standing at the cusp, the precipice of a new year. And God gives us, on purpose, He gives us um, 24-hour cycles, and then it's a new day. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. It's like when you've done with that day, you've spent all His mercies, all His grace. And then when you step up and wake up into that new day, you go, oh, thank goodness. Ah, I can smell the roses again. I can feel God's presence. That was, that was a little bit of a shocker that day. That day was a little bit ordinary. But this day, man, I'm feeling it's going to be exciting. So I believe God, in His plan, in His design for us, to understand that He gives us, hello, new beginnings. New beginnings. And so He gives us the week. He gives us seven days and then a new week. He gives us the month and then it's a new month. He gives us new seasons and then it's a new season. He gives us a new year and then it's a new time, a dispensation of grace. To, for what? I believe, see, 
they, they used to make New Year's resolutions way back in 3,000 years ago in the Babylonian days. But there's no power in a New Year's resolution. And lots of New Year's resolutions fall over. But I'll teach you something, just quickly, I'll teach you where you can really get some traction in if you're going to, who's going to make a New Year's resolution? Who's going to make a New Year's resolution for, for the new year? Come on, guys, you've got to have faith for the new year. Andrew just had for 2.14, and I believe, I concur with him, that our church is going to grow, that our Aussies are going to get, they're going to get a wake-up call, and they're going to come to the Lord. I believe there's going to be like a demarcation line, and people are, God's going to almost be saying, by His grace, you're in or you're out. Are you in or you're out? And I believe Aussies are going, I'm in. I'm going into the light. I'm going to church. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going into salvation. I'm coming out of darkness. I'm coming out of selfishness. And I'm coming into a right position with God. Well, we can do this too as Christians. We can say, well, God, that year was, man, some of us had a real shocker, but some of us had an ordinary year. But faith is about believing for a preferred future, a preferred future. If you haven't got that on the inside of you, man, come alive in God because, you know, I'm still hoping my tennis, my backhand is getting better. Man, and it is getting better. Some of the backhands I'm pulling off at tennis, I'm going, man, why wasn't I doing that? But I'm just, you know, I I just believe, I'm I'm, I'm still believing that my backhand can improve. So, <laughs> the unfortunate thing is my forehand, the, my, my, my weapon, my weapon, which was my forehand, that is suffering. I don't know. My dad is approving. <laughs> so I want to make a distinction about maybe uh, what uh, the New Year's resolutions and many uh, we've known over the years, many to be. Uh, like quit smoking, stop drinking, manage your money wisely, spend more time with your family. These are great, but the far most common one I think you'll find is lose weight, exercising more, and eating more healthy. Whose is that one? Exercising more. <laughs> They're all good. They're good goals to set, praise God. Julie and I, I'll tell a little secret. Uh, man, Julie and I are going down Tugger Strait. We saw the membership to the gym at Tugger Strait. Uh, the big gym looks fantastic, and uh, it was ten dollars a week. And I thought, wow, that looks ten dollars is that all? So Julie and I walked in. We signed up three months ago, maybe, <laughs> and I still haven't gone. Although I have gone to the Mingara, and I worked out there, did a little workout, walked out of there, and I saw this woman doing things like boot camp style, throwing herself at these bars, pulling herself up madly, 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 throwing herself to the ground, push-ups, 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 standing back. She had a thing, a monitor on her arm, and she looked like the most fit, G.I. Joe, fit woman I've ever seen in my life. And my, my, my jaw just dropped like this. I went, I went, oh my God. And I looked at myself, I said, that's it, I'm never coming back. No, I didn't. <laughs> Some people can take it all too far, this, this fitness stuff, but the Bible does say, uh, 1 Timothy 4.8 instructs us, yes, exercise is good, but for physical training is of some value, 
but godliness has value for all things. Amen? Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So physical training is great. I tend to about walk 30 Ks a week, and I do that uh, deliberately because they say you need to exercise half hour a day. There's some practical uh, insight for you. You need to exercise half hour a day. Otherwise, if you don't use it, you will lose it. You will lose your, you will lose your agility. You will lose your capacity to even walk. Some people do, unfortunately. But you've got to exercise. It's true. But godliness is definitely is of more value. I don't know if we had the photo of the gym, but if it can go up, praise God. If it goes up. Yeah, so that's, that's before New Year's Eve. And this is after. This is January the, the 1st of 2014. There's Pastor Phil. There's Julie. And everyone's there. But go back to the other one. But you watch. About a week later, it's back like that. <laughs> so even Christians, we can make New Year's resolutions to pray more, read the Bible every day, attend church more regularly. That's all good. They're fantastic goals. Praise God. Uh, however, they will fail too if God ha is not in it, if God is not in that decision. There's no power in the, um, the New Year's resolution. There's no power in it. The Bible doesn't even mention it. There's no power. But it is a good place to be able to say, well, today I decide, I choose to make amends, and that can work if, if God is in it. So if you just want to get fit for your own selfishness, for your own vanity, that mightn't work. If you even want to just read the Bible and do all, even godly stuff for your own selfish needs, that mightn't work. Um, but if you wanted to do it, if you wanted to lose weight to honor God, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that's fantastic. If you wanted to honor God by reading the Bible and, uh, and you wanted to grow spiritually, that will work. Because why? The Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do everything through Him, who, Jesus, who gives me strength. So if Jesus is in that strength, Jesus is in you, strengthening you to lose weight, to correct your diet, to, to, to get fit, to read your Bible, to pray more, and to attend church. Guess what? He will give you that strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. John 15, 5, I love this scripture, and it declares, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. A, a New Year's resolution apart from God, it ain't going to hold up. But if God is at the center of that New Year's resolution, who's downloading right now some New Year's resolutions as I'm speaking? Faith is coming alive in you. Faith to believe. Next year, you know what? I do need to pray more. I, I do need to read my Bible more. I do need to lose some weight. I do need to walk a bit more. I need to be more friendly. I need to raise a smile more. I need to make amends with family members. Hello? That's what faith is. Faith is about looking to the future, for a preferred future for your life and mine and the church. Praise God. Is this helping someone? It's got to honor God. That news resolution's got to honor God. If it's in agreement with God's word, you're going to do well. I love this. It's a quote from Martin Luther. 
And, uh, and it says this, all the cunning of the devil is exercised in trying to tear us away from the Word, the Word. Julie went back home, I think it was 84, 1984, after she'd done show business for a number of years, six, seven, eight years, and she had an experience with God in Singapore. She came back to her hometown, little suburban house in the western suburbs, and she just had this funny thought that she had been given a Bible when she was a kid. And it was a lady that was friends of Julie's father at work. She, she literally downloaded. She said, you've got a daughter. This is this lady in the 60s working with Des Connell, who was Julie's father. Um, uh, this lady comes up to Des Connell, uh, Julie's father, and says, you know what? You've got a daughter. Have you? Yeah, I've got my little precious daughter, uh, Julie. She said, you know what? I got a word for her. Gave him a scripture. He, by the way, he doesn't go to church. He's just going, what is this lady talking about? What does this mean? And uh, this lady says, well, guess what? I got a word, writes it down. And she said, you know what? In fact, I've got her a Bible, a leather-bound white Bible. I'd love to give it to her. Des didn't think much of it. The father didn't think much of it. Gave it to Julie at a small age. And Julie took it and smelt the leather. Oh, my goodness. Who gave me this? this? What does this mean? I don't know what it means, but it must be precious. She put it away, and it just got lost through growing up. She came back. She's in her mid-20s now. She came back home to suburban uh, house in the western suburbs, and she says, you know what, where is that Bible? Where is that Bible I was given? And she went into the garage. Now, she went into the garage, and if you knew um, the father's garage, it was full of books. He was an avid reader. He read all the time. It was books, 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 and there was lots of junk because they were just about to move. And she stood in that junk-filled garage and looked around and Bang, she just, her eyes were drawn to it. There it was. The leather bound, the leather bound Bible was there. And she plucked it out, plucked it out, and there it was. And there was the note with the scripture in it. And she went, My God, the word of God was returned back to the owner. I love that. All the cunning of the devil is exercised in trying to tear us away from the word. Okay, so what sort of New Year's uh, resolution should we uh, make as a Christian? Um, here's, some, here's some wisdom. Number one, pray for the Lord for wisdom. James 1.5 says, in regards to resolutions, it says, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Two, pray for wisdom as to how to fulfill the goals that God will give you. Three, rely on God's strength to help you. I know this for a fact. When I fast, and I fast for uh, great lengths of time, oh, that's good, guys. When I fast for, now, let me just tell you something about fasting. When you fast, it's a complete revolution. It's a, it's a complete revolution to the body, um, in the sense that your body doesn't like it. First day is hell. Second day, it's getting a bit better. Third day, you're home and away. But I would pray, I would fast for sometimes 21 days. I'm going to do a 21-day fast in February, in February, leading up to Easter. It's when C3 do their fasting and prayer. I know this for a fact. I would not be able to fast. I fast on juice. I do three, four days water, break the back of that hunger thing. 
and then I go into juice, not, not canned juice. I do my own juice through a special machine. And um, I know this for a fact. Without Christ, without his strength, I would not be able to fast that long. I have, in fact, fasted 40 days. It doesn't look good, but it works. <laughs> Clothes falling off you. And, uh, but it works in the sense if God's told you to do that, and if his strength is in it, it can be done. It's a great way to position yourself. You're not blackmailing God, but you're certainly repositioning your soul to depend on him totally. And I find fasting works. Four, find an accountability partner who will help you and encourage you. That's a good one. Just get with someone saying, hey, I've just told you I'm going to fast 21 days, so I'm being accountable, right? Five, don't become discouraged with occasional failures. Instead, allow them to motivate you further. Don't be discouraged, please. Six, don't become proud or vain, but give God the glory. Psalm 37, 5 to 6 says, commit your way to the Lord. Do this daily. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the new day sun. I got this word, now th that's, that's just some practicalities of New Year's resolutions. I, I want to I go into this next little part and talk about this word I downloaded, and it is the word reconciliation. So I'm praying a lot, as I do, and I get this word a couple of days ago, reconciliation. And I think about that, and I ponder that, and I begin to go into the Word and see what it, how God is speaking to me. This is how I get the themes for the church. This is how I get direction for the church. Um, and I got this word, reconciliation. And then I downloaded through um, this, this prophetic word. And... Um, I think this word goes like this. It's a prophetic word. Uh, so I've got, the, I've got the word, reconciliation, and then hours later, I get this as a prophetic word from this woman of God. The Holy Spirit put in my heart that we are entering a new season of restoration and reconciliation. He is going to restore to the smallest detail the things that the enemy has stolen. It's exactly what you said. And I haven't even told you this. I haven't even read this out to you because we don't share stuff sometimes, you know, but it's exactly what you said, Pastor Julie. Because you have been faithful to God, that's you, C3 Tugra, you will see him restore over and above. You have sown in tears, Frank, but you will reap with great joy, Philkins. You have stood on his word and you will enter in your promised land, Andrew. The Lord wants you to be of good cheer because 2.14 is the year God will redeem. I love that. Lisa Osteen comes, I think her name is, sister-in-law probably of uh, Victoria, I'm not sure. But I thought, that's awesome. So I thought about this word reconciliation. Imagine two friends, uh, they've had a fight, they've had an argument. Uh, it was a good relationship once now. They once enjoyed a good relationship now it's to the point of breaking. Uh, they see speaking to each other. Communication is deemed awkward. The, the friends actually become strangers. Such estrangement can only be reversed by this fact, reconciliation. Now, all of us have people in and around our life, close family members. 
extended family members and even friends in, in, in church life and friends at work, and now we are strangers. To be reconciled, but, is again to find friendship and harmony. How beautiful it is to be in a family gathering like I have just experienced of late in the last few days, and there's harmony. It's just, it's beautiful. It's just flowing. People are getting along nicely. The talk is free. No one's looking at each other sideways. No one's dodging. You know when you play that game, you're going to sit away from that person, okay, then that and that, you know. And No, you're just sitting, you're mixing, you're walking up. You're free, free as a bird to engage in this beautiful fellowship of family and extended family. That's what I have been experiencing with Julie's side and my side of late. It's a precious thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19 declares, all this is from God. What? Reconciliation. I believe God wants us in 2.14 to reconcile families, people, to church, back to church. How many people do I meet out and about who don't go to church anymore? And I love, I love matchmaker, matchmaker. I love to get with those people and and get them back to church. Not, not, not our church necessarily, but back to church. Oh, the church, this, that, yeah, yeah, that's great. Welcome to planet Earth. We're all fallen creatures, prone to sin, prone to, you know, behavioral mishaps. Hello. And, and of course, why don't you go back there? Because that's your family. You were born again into a neighborhood. You were born again into a family. You weren't born again into an individual lifestyle. You, you were born into a family of God. And when I start to speak like that and talk like that, you know what? You know what? I should go back to church. Maybe I should go back. I love it. Because why? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, it declares, all this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us Gave who? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave you. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Not just Pastor Phil and Julie. You have the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reckoned. Why? Why? Why has he given me? Well, here it is here. Apostle Paul is so clear by saying that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them, not judging people, not scowling at them, not, not saying, oh, fooey to you, you know, you don't go to church. No, we engage everyone, are friendly with everyone, and we're hospitable with everyone. Come on in, saved or not, heathen or not, atheist or not, we don't care. C3 Tugger will accept anyone, Muslims, Buddhists, Bahas. They can come. We've had people, the Mormons, sit in our church. And we prophesied over them. Stand up. We got to know the guy because he kept on visiting us. And I got to, got to know Elder someone. Elder Bud, I think his name was. Elder Bud. It was back in 1970. Back in, 70, back in 1996 or 7 when we first started the church. And they literally came. They sat on the back row. And there was about four or five of them. They actually had rung each other and said, let's get down to this church. And, you know, we need to check how Aussies do church. Wow, did we give them 
a great representation. Probably not the... <laughs> and so I said, sir, stand up. And I said, elder, elder Bud, his name was, stand up. And, and, and I believe you're going to sing one day. I believe you're going to sing. <gasps> he was struck to the heart when I said that. And I was thinking, where am I going to go from now? He's going to sing. What do you mean? You're going to sing, and I believe there's a praise in your, in your spirit, and you're going to sing, and he's going, oh, he, he, he's flushed, he's crying. And I don't know what that word meant to him, but he was impacted by God. God's get, God can reach these people. God can reach them through the message of reconciliation. God's reconciled us. Romans 5.10 says that to Corinthians 5.18, Colossians 1.20.21. Everyone needs reconciling. Everyone needs reconciling, but especially to God. God's a holy God, and we are the ones that need to be reconciled back to Him. We're alienated. People feel alienated with God. We need to help them feel in that feeling of awkwardness and, and maybe shame and guilt. We need to make them feel like they're so special when we engage these people. Man, I don't care if, if, if you're into all that stuff, the vice and the stuff. Man, I, I see you and I like you. And just that might be enough to prove to them that God is reconciling them to his loving heart. Our God is a beautiful God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Romans 5.10 says, says that, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, and I say that again, how much more, having been us, you and me, being reconciled, shall we be saved through this life to bless others? Christ died on the cross to reconcile us. The judgment's been paid for by Christ. Our reconciliation to God that involves the exercise of his grace and the forgiveness of his sin is so true. The result of Jesus' sacrifice is that our relationship has changed from enmity to friendship. The Bible says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. I love that. He calls you friends. I love this reconciliation stuff. It's such a powerful truth. We were God's enemies, but are now his friends. We were in a state of condemnation because of our sins, but we are now forgiven. We were at war with God, but now have the peace that transcends all understanding. Do you know what it means to have this peace that transcends all understanding? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it means to have peace? You can go anywhere and you have peace. You can come to church. You can leave church. You can go into your Monday and the rest of your week and there's peace. You stand and you do your daily life in peace. Is that, is that, is that what you know to be true? And do you know how much anguish the unsaved have? How much guilt and condemnation, how torn they are on the inside? And this is why they're so bottled up with so many misgivings. 
I think in 2.14, and I'm nearly finished, 2.14, we need to believe that we, with the Ministry of Reconciliation, can reach out to our friends and family, and we can begin to see relationships repaired, firstly between them and our God, then between us. We might have to say sorry. We might have to ask for forgiveness. We might have to be hospitable. We might have to be friendly. We might have to suck it up and say, okay, well, sure enough, they said this, they did this and and done that. But you know what? This is not our fight. We're just going to love. We're just going to stand in the peace and love. I'm not getting anything out of it, but yeah. So, because every... A lot of our disposition of our human behavior or our human disposition, a lot of it is about what I can get out of a person or a thing or an event. It's about what I can get out of it. But when you can stand before these people that have somehow no use to you and you can say, well, I'm just going to love them and give them my best smile and give them my best heart and give them my best sacrifice of my love. Do you know what happens? God's reconciliation begins to break out. And then the next Christmas that you have, more more of these extended family turn up. And then the family's getting so big that, that when you're old and then the grandkids ask me, how did this get so big that we can't even fit into a house now? That we've got to meet out in the picnic uh, grounds. There's about 50, 60, 70, 80 of us. How did it get so big? Because one man, one woman who was a Christian with the ministry of reconciliation said, you know what? We're going to love. We're going to love our extended family. We're going to love our brother and sister. We're going to love our in-laws. We're going to love our uncles. We're going to love them. And so I read this. What if you invited someone to church and they did not receive Christ? That's a good question. And then it didn't happen. They didn't come. We had this great big feast uh, on, on, on Sunday last week. And I believe, I believe there were some people that were invited that didn't come. And now you feel, you know, you feel like, oh, well, I have no influence. I knew it wouldn't work. Uh, I knew they wouldn't come. You feel depowered. You, you feel like, well, I tried. I invited them and they didn't come. And well, they did come and nothing happened. They don't want to come back. That's cool. Here's a couple of points for you. Number one, don't give up on them. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Be patient with them. Don't give up on them. It's God's kindness that leads us to him. Romans 2.4. God's kindness leads you towards repentance. And I love this. Why don't we lean into this scripture in Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's going to make it beautiful. Maybe not now. Maybe it's not now, but it will become beautiful. And I'm experiencing so many of these relationships around my life becoming so beautiful. So beautiful. I I mean, even my brother's uh, wives and that, I'm just going, man, they're awesome. Karen, man, what an awesome woman. I said to Julie after they left, what an awesome, I've known this woman seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years probably. But I came away from that family gathering thinking, what an awesome woman of God. Not God, but what an awesome woman she is. She is on the way to God. She used to go to church. 
She's getting softer because year in, year out, when she played a card so close, we couldn't get in. She's going, you know what? I trust you people. I trust you people. I trust you to speak into my life. So I stood there in front of all, them all and I prayed for our meal like we always do. I said, guys, can you give us the privilege to pray for our meal? We did that at Julie's big gathering down at Sydney. It was a big party. Pulled this party up. It was in party mode. Lambie Heights, big house, lots of people having a fine good time. And I said, guys, could you, could you give us the privilege of praying for the meal? Oh, okay, yeah. I said, thank you, God, that you're smiling on us. Thank you, God, that we can, we honor, I, I honored the, um, the ones that have gone before us, Jill and Des. Julie's mother and father were always part of that gathering. And I said, uh, we honor Julie's sister who died six, seven months ago, and we honor her. She's not with us, but I know she's smiling on us. And I thank you, God, that you're smiling on us. And Lord, would you bless this fellowship? Would you bless this, this precious arrangement of people as we come and, and, and partake of this food? And, we, and I just went on like this. And I had so many people, unsaved, unchurched people come. Thank you so much for praying. Thank you that you pulled us up from the, all the fun and partying. And they were partying hard. Thank you so much for that reality check of thankfulness that we are family. And I did the same with my family. Did the same thing. Two, ask them how you can pray for them. I'm talking about your unsaved friends. Just ask them. I've never had one person personally that would refuse a prayer. Say, can I pray for you? And pray for them there and then. Just do it. Just do it. Just pray for them. Pray for them and then ring them back because that means you care. Hey, what happened with that prayer I, I said? Uh, anything happen? Ring, up, ring, up, ring back about a week. Anything happen? Uh, pray for about 30 seconds. Don't pray any more than that. Freak them out. Lord, bless their child. Bless their finances. Bless whatever. Bless their health. Da-da-da-da. Nice, friendly, sensible. Power of God's in it. Boom. Bang. Wow. Gee, that was easy. You mean that that's done? Yeah, that's done, man. I'll ring you back, see how you go. Oh, they love it. Three, ask Jesus for opportunities to serve them. As it says in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus tells us he did not come to be served, he came to serve. And uh, I think we need to be able to just serve like my wife does. <laughs> Every family gathering, she's busy in the kitchen. But this year you had some help. And it was awesome. Julie's serving. Julie's been used to being served so much when she was in show business. Five-star hotels, being served, served, she got saved. Now she's the server. Now she's the server. But the benefits are lives impacted for Jesus lives turning around for Jesus. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father in heaven, thank you, Father, for this morning, for this day. Thank you for this word of reconciliation. Here's a quote. The love of God is what changes everything. D.L. Moody said, Napoleon tried to establish a kingdom by the force of arms. So did Alexander the Great and Caesar too and other great warriors, but they utterly failed. 
Jesus founded his kingdom on love and it is going to, amen, stand. Here's love. Let love guide you in 2.14. Let love reposition you to love anyone that comes your way. And let the spirit of reconciliation be so real on the inside of you that everyone that you meet in 2.14, that you would be compelled to bless them, to love them, to serve them, and to pray for them. And as you do, the spirit of reconciliation is going to break out in their life. And God is going to apprehend their heart. And God is going to lead them to the throne of grace. God is going to lead that precious soul to the throne of grace. As you love them, as you pray for them. Oh, they'll never get saved. No way, Jose. Trust me, God can save a nation in one day. God can save anyone. He can save a heathen. He can save an atheist. He can save them in a heartbeat. If you just believe and trust in God, that as you do your part and love all the peoples in your world, in your life, in your family, love them. Love them with a love that overcomes every sin, every fear. Love them with a smile. Love them with a handshake. Love them with a gift. Love them with, with hospitality. Love them with serving. Love those people in your life and God will make a way for them to be reconciled. He makes everything beautiful in its time. That person who's, you know, a bit hostile, a bit angry, a bit miffed, a bit agitated about you and your God, guess what? 214 is the year God is going to reconcile all things, turning all things around for good to those that love Christ. According to his plans and purposes in Christ Jesus, and the people of God are saying, and the people of God are saying, and the people of God are saying, yes, Lord, family, extended family, brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles, Mothers and fathers, pastors, leaders, churches reconciled in the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for this. We draw a line in the sand. We say thank you for 2.13, but we're going into 2.14 with faith, with hope, and with a great love. And the greatest of these is love. Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love overcomes. Love is patient. Love overcomes. Love is generous. Love is... Father in heaven, let C3 Tugra. I want, I want C3 Tugra to be like Luna Park with a big smile of... Just a big friendly smile on it. We might, might put something on the front gate, get Frank to make up something. Big smile like Luna Park. Because... When we can love the unlovable, this house will be filled. Jesus had this extraordinary ability to draw all the sinners unto him. They didn't feel condemned. They didn't feel awkward. They didn't feel judged. Sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, all flocked to Jesus. What was that? What was that? He didn't have a religious spirit. He wasn't a Pharisee. He just loved. 
You could tell by his countenance. You could tell by his heart. You could tell by his hands. You could tell. I want this church to be such a loving church. Lord, we need your strength. That's my New Year's resolution, Lord. Let us go another level of love. Let us be able to love the unlovable. Let us be able to love the people that you, Lord, put in our in our path. Lord, we want to love. We want to love our own. We want to love our wives, our husbands, our children. We want to love more. Lord, I pray for this, that you would give me strength, that you would give me strength to love even more. Well, I can't love anymore. You don't understand. You can't. You can if you decide, if you choose, if you want, if you will. You can right now. Just say that right now. Father God, I receive your love. I receive the power of your love. Help me love like I can't love. Help me love like I've never loved before. Help me love the way you want me to love. Come on, let's say that. Lord God, help me love. Lord, I reveal the heart. Lord, I want to become vulnerable enough to reveal my heart of love to others. Lord, I reveal my heart to others, to you, God, firstly, to others. So right now I'm praying the power of the Holy Spirit upon you to bless you and anoint you with a new level of love. Holy Spirit, baptize us in your love right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands right now if you could. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.